0: Welcome to Here Comes Yesterday, a weekly 15-minute podcast full of useful memories for dealing with the world ahead with your host, Frank Corrado. Looking through my own pictures title of this podcast is The Museum of Me. It's about documenting our lives for future generations. Saving the past has never been easier or actually more difficult than it is right now. Everything today is digital, online, in the cloud, but interest in the past has waned and continues to do so. For example. I'm still using the dresser my parents bought when they were first married in 1941. But I've heard numerous stories in the past few decades about how children spurn family heirlooms like this family silver, the old photos, the keepsakes, the furniture. Even with programs like Antique Roadshow, it's hard to interest younger people in family memorabilia. Yes, we have all kinds of new technology to convert old films, audio tapes, slides, photos, and documents to digital files. I keep hearing ads from a company that says, throw those tapes, slides, and photos in a box, and we'll take care of it for you. Yes, they will at a very steep price for a modest box. The hardest part, and I really hate this overused word, the hardest part of going through the old boxes of photos, stories, and film is curating those boxes of old memories, basically organizing them. The process I keep coming back to is one that is closely associated with curating, actually creating something similar to a museum exhibit for future generations to easily visit. Maybe some young computer genius can come up with a magical online template that takes those old family collections, helps you curate them, and insert them into a virtual museum tour. might not be that hard. We already have a fairly basic version of such a tour. It's what funeral parlors, how's that for an old word, do now when the family of the recently departed hands a box of the old photos and slides to the funeral director who sends them to somebody who turns them into a lovely slideshow about Aunt Ida's life that we watch at the wake while we're not looking at our cell phones. Anything but have to look at the poorly embalmed Aunt Ida. My own particular problem has been the sheer volume of personal and family records I need to go through Album after album, prints, slides, videotapes, boxes of papers, quite a pile. It's like I spent a lifetime gathering all this stuff for a museum tour about, well, me. Now, after thinking about that, I have a real understanding why there are big presidential libraries staffed by dozens of people. It's very difficult to simultaneously go through materials collected over a long life and decide exactly what can be saved and what is worth saving for the future, while at the same time figuring out how to tell the story. Yes, you are going to have to curate it, dude. And I must reluctantly admit this task is best left to somebody other than yourself, to some disinterested third party maybe. Over the years, my pile of archival things has just gotten way, way too big. I've finally started forcing myself to throw out, I mean edit, all those papers, books, news articles, audio, and videotapes that have built up over nearly eight decades. And it isn't just my stuff that I have to worry about but all kinds of stuff my mother had gathered before she passed at age 98, back in 2009. Like me, she was a super saver. And then there's my father's slides from his many trips. One of my underlying problems has been that I've had so many interests over the years. In college, I studied English and history, and there were lots of books, many of which I kept. And then I went on for degrees in journalism and urban studies, Lots more books. You get the idea. I also have similar piles of material from my communications consulting and training gigs over the years. And I wrote musicals and screenplays and nonfiction books and newspaper and magazine articles and, and, and. That media lady who organizes everybody, Marie Kondo, geez, she'd have a time with my stuff. It scares me to think about what she would do with it. All these boxes of stuff mean something to me. My first bank account passbook back when I was 10 years old. My mother's drawings from her high school botany class, quite nice actually. My father's lucky $10 bill, which he found when he was down on his luck in the Depression. My daughter's college thesis of poetry and pictures about normal people, which she called Lives of the Saints. My mother also passed on to me dozens of her annual diaries. Before she passed, she offhandedly mentioned that she'd thrown out diaries she kept as a young woman. The kind that would be of real interest, right? Instead, she left me reading material like, went out to the food store today and spent $12.50. Got some real nice plums on sale. It's funny how we change over time. Nevertheless, you have to read through it all, and sometimes offhandedly, you'll find something interesting about yourself, like what your family was doing in the summer of 1987, things you forgot about. The real question, though, is who cares other than me, right? Will any of my children or grandchildren, anybody out there in radio land, anybody about my clients, anybody come up with a reason to save this stuff? That other than it might provide some insight for family future historians. The origins of why I became such a prolific saver goes back to not only the genes I inherited, but also to the path I took in life. Back in 1960, I was sitting in a college freshman orientation class, and the professor who was moderating asked the group if we wanted to lead the life of a pencil or a saucer. What a choice, huh? he explained that a saucer is very wide but not very deep and a pencil is quite deep but not very wide you need to realize also he taught in something called the general studies program so you kind of get where he was coming from right i thought about this for a moment but quickly opted for the life of a saucer a well rounded one of course sorry so while my friends were majoring in engineering or business or premed i studied the humanities Not a lot of people do that today. The idea is now to get a degree that gets you a job. Back then, there was not such a big emphasis on job skills. It was okay to study broadly. My thoughts back then, and still are, that you should study the humanities and arts while you're an undergrad and then specialize later. Those studies give you time to learn about human nature, develop empathy, to see the world in its many colors and tones, and not just black and white. And if I can digress a moment, I want to say that this should not just be reserved for people who go to college. Young people who go into the trades and factories and service sectors should get a real exposure to the arts and humanities in high school, but of course they don't. I've often heard stories about people like farm workers who read their poetry at lunch and stories of a room full of people rolling cigars in Havana, listening to a reader at the front of the room, reading them the great classics like Don Quixote. When I eventually went on to trade school in journalism, I thought I'd like to be a general assignment reporter, one who knew just enough to cover all kinds of stories, and wasn't going to be pigeonholed as a movie critic or education recorder. People who make it into the executive suite share one common skill. They are great communicators. Like people in the news business, both in their writing and in person. Same with top lawyers, top scientists, hello Dr. Fauci, and political leaders. After working in television for a few years, I went on to be a public affairs director for the busiest region in a new agency called EPA, and I ran their program for the first decade, earning the agency's top award for public service. My secret was that I understood it was all about communicating with stakeholders like citizens, government officials, the media, regulated communities. Later, I taught at Northwestern's Kellogg School of Business, creating new courses in communications for business people, while churning out three books on the subject. That launched me into consulting that was focused on improving how people communicate inside and outside organizations. As a believer in the saucer over the pencil, I really want to emphasize that if you're a college student or a teacher, take as many different courses as you can. Try all different kinds of subjects. Even today, at the ripe age of 78, I'm still taking courses in things like drawing and fiction writing. So yes, go to whatever academic or trade school you can. Get as much education as you can. But remember, you're going to be around for hopefully a long time. So be an accountant or HR manager or banker, but reach out to other things. Keep. The pencil, I'll keep the saucer, thank you, and you'll probably collect a lot of stuff if you do. Coming back to curating, I think we should envision our vast pile of the past as elements for this museum display I've talked about. We'll call it the Museum of me, and then you might study up quickly on how museum folks create exhibits and then start thinking in terms about how it might look. What would the theme be? What visuals would you use? What stories would you tell about your accomplishments, Uh, the world you grew up in, the challenges you faced? In my own case, and before I could even get to this point, I had to get past Wally. Now, this is a brief sidebar. Wally and Martha were a pair of genial neighbors who lived in the next block behind our home where I was growing up. For fun in their lives, they spent a lot of time traveling, and back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, that meant taking lots of 35 millimeter slides. Properly edited slideshows can be quite interesting, because when you went over to see the slides from their latest vacation, the person who took those pictures was actually giving you some context as you sipped your highball. The story of how I inherited Wally's slides is not that interesting, but the job of deciding what to keep, as heirs were unfortunately only interested in the value of their inheritance, it all somehow ended up with me. As I tried to race through the trays and salvage what I might of some value, I realized that about 90% were destined for the trash can. The usual problem, bad exposure, poor framing, no context. And like the slides of many amateur photographers, whenever they needed a human in the shot, I guess to show that they really were there, there was the missus trying to be a good trooper, smiling at the camera. Wally had certain interests that also kept cropping up in his photos. He liked trains and actually had some amazing pictures he collected on various trips. Colorado was a fertile place for old trains. He also liked boats. Well, he was in the Navy in World War II, so that made sense. It's kind of a shame that none of his relatives ever cared about any of this. And the question is, why did I? For some reason, maybe because he and Martha were friends of my parents, I felt I owed it to Wally to at least take a quick look at what he tried to save. So now, somewhere short of 100 of the slides from Wally's World are saved forever on my computer. And maybe in the future, will be preserved in the cloud, up there in the clouds with Martha and Wally. My brief experience going through Wally's world toughened me up and gave me the backbone to be more critical in judging my own stuff, and that's a good thing. To conclude here, I think we need to have more respect and reverence for the remaining artifacts that tell the story of our family's pasts, in an age. When everyone is out there shooting smartphone pictures and video, we need to think about what is really worth saving for the future, and then do it. And then put it together in a way that generations down the line will be interested in your museum, the museum of me. That's it for now. Stay smart. Work hard. You've been listening to Here Comes Yesterday, a podcast full of useful memories for dealing with the world ahead. Your ideas and reactions can also be very useful. Contact Frank Corrado via email at corrado at c4m.com. That's C-O-R-R-A-D-O at the letter C, the number 4, the letter m.com This is Mel Zellman. Thank you for listening, and catch us next time.